Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Kind of Funny X-Cast, your home for all things Xbox here at Kind of Funny. Of course, I'm one of your show hosts, Snowbike Mike, and today I am joined by my dude, the number one presenter in all of the video games world. It's Paris Lily. What up, Paris? How are you? I am doing fantastic, sir. How about yourself? Uh, you know what? I'm doing good, Paris. As we, you know, we settle into the new year, we continue to get hit with new game after new game. I can't find my footing because I want to play one game, but then we move on to the next game and I'm trying to get into Helldivers 2 servers and they won't let me in. It's been an insane ride, Paris. That's how I'm doing right now. So you want to hear a funny story about <laughs> Helldivers 2? Tell me. I haven't played it. And I had full intention coming back from Dice. Yo, this weekend I'm jumping in, I'm going to play. And then every time I try to jump in, it's been a server issue. So I will say when everything does settle down and everybody's able to jump back in and start playing can you invite me because i've watched some of your streams and i go i want to play too yes paris play. you know what you have my word i'm going to invite you right away i'll also get pa or uh, gary because you know me and gary we finally connected this week and he called me yeah. from the apple vision pro headset and i was worried <laughs> it was an ai telling me that he had died or something it was insane looking and uh yeah. he's trying the same thing trying to get in so we'll all collide we'll stream together and have some fun because it's a must play game awesome awesome everything i've seen about that game just says it's must play so oh. i can't wait to jump in oh my gosh paris this game has been so good i've been i tried a little bit of skull and bones as well i tried a little bit didn't love it. Got out of it pretty quick, unfortunately. I like that sweatshirt, though. I like that sweatshirt. Uh, Bellatro. Bellatro, I think is the name of it. Paris, I tried this game last night. It just dropped on Steam. Yeah. It is a roguelike deck-building poker game on Steam, and I think other platforms as well. You can get it on Xbox. Paris, this is, this is a game right here. This is a must-play game. Yeah, that again, I'm hearing great things about that. So yeah, I'm I'm looking dude, like you said, there's there's so many good things to play right now. So yeah, I'm excited, man. Well, let's catch up really quick because of course last week we reacted to the Xbox official podcast, the big Xbox update for the business side of things. We then got you to call in for mm -hmm. from Dice Awards. But what have you been playing? Tell me what's been going on in your world. What's up with your life? You you, you know what I did when I couldn't play Helldivers 2? I and I know we'll talk about the TV show later, but I jumped back into Halo Infinite campaign oh. from the start, playing oh. it. You know what? It's a good campaign. It's a great I, I campaign. Will, I, will, I will die on that hill. That is a good campaign. Who knows what the future holds for for how that story ended and and where they're going to go next? But I truly enjoyed playing that that campaign. I mean, it's, it's solid. It is a fun halo experience. I, I had a blast with that one too, Paris. I think back to the time when we reviewed it and moving mm -hmm. forward of how much I still think about that campaign and how much I did enjoy the risks that they took of going open yeah. world, semi open world, whatever you want to call that experience of like, Oh, I had fun with that. I liked going to encampment to encampment. I like getting the audio logs of the different groups yeah. that landed on Zeta halo and like what they experienced. And man, I had fun. With the whole thing, it's like, man, I wish they made DLC pairs. I am stunned that we never got DLC from that. Yeah, ironically enough, you talk about the audio logs. That's what prompted me to want to jump back in because I'm missing two. Oh, and then I, I would be 100 percent on achievements for the campaign if I can find those two. So, like, you know what? What the heck? I'll just casually, you know, go in and play it. And uh, yeah, I've been enjoying it so far, and it's interesting playing it now versus back then because of the grapple hook and the equipment. That was something new, so you had to get used to it. Going in now, I 100% know how to do it. So I'm just, I'm just using that grapple hook constantly, oh. and and you know, popping uh, 
popping shields with it and all. It's it's great. I, I freaking love it. That was a, it. a really good time. It's right, Paris. Yeah. We'll talk about some Halo here in this episode today because I want to hear your thoughts on Halo Season 2. Of course, we've returned mm -hmm. to Paramount+. Plus. Uh, we're back with more Halo, and I need to know where you stand on this one because I got some thoughts, and I want to hear your thoughts on it. But, oh, yeah. Paris, let me remind everybody, of course, this is the Kind of Funny X-Cast. We post each and every Thursday at 6 a.m. West Coast, Best Coast time on YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Games and, of course, on podcast services around the globe. If you love what we do here on the Kind of Funny X-Cast and at Kind of Funny, please consider supporting us with the new Kind of Funny membership available on Patreon and now YouTube. You can get all of our shows ad-free. You can watch them live as we record them, being in the chat and interacting us interacting with us while we record these shows. And of course you'll get daily exclusive content. Thank you to those who support us over on Patreon at that special Patreon producer tier, like Carl Jacobs streaking ain't easy and Delaney twining. Thank you all for your support this week. The kind of funny X cast is sponsored by final fantasy rebirth, but me and the team will tell you all about that in just a little bit. Paris, let's catch up on it. People probably think I'm going to go to the Xbox business update, but no, I'm going to pause because we got to talk about the Dice Awards. Okay, yeah. there I am kicking my feet up, watching Greg and Stella do an incredible job, getting to see developers get their moment, get their flowers, get to shine and talk about all their hard work and achievements. And then who comes out looking like a million bucks? It was Paris <laughs> Lilly as a surprise presenter. I didn't know you were going to do it. And you were amazing, Paris. Oh, thank, thank you so much. And uh, it, it was quite an honor for them to, uh, to have me come up and present uh, two awards uh, at the Dice Awards. And, and I'll never forget when I got that email. Like, it was about a week and a half before Dice. And, and I'm like, wait, what? You, you want me to present an award? Hey, okay, I'll, I'll do it. And uh, it, it was good. Now, the, the, the funny thing about all that is I had in the holster, in the back pocket, ready to go. I was gonna, I was gonna roast Khalif on stage. Oh, I was gonna do it. I had it. I had the perfect moment, and I even tell you what it was gonna be. I was, I was noticing that people were struggling opening the envelope, right, to say, and the winner is. So my thought was, I was like, all right, on the second award, I'm gonna act like I can't get it open. I'm gonna go, oh man, this is really tough. This is tough, like trying to swallow some of Khalif's cooking. I was gonna say something like that, right? And then I thought. I've never done this before. I'm in front of a crowd. I, I don't know what the reaction is going to be. Half the people probably don't even know what the hell I'm talking about. <laughs> I got, hey, I, I'm staring at Todd Howard like the whole time. I was like, just don't do it. This might not be the venue for that. So I was like, no, I, I won't do it. But um, yeah, I had a great time doing that. Really, really did. And I will also say, Greg Miller is such a professional. Oh, he's it's, the best. I mean, this is the second year I've been able to attend the awards and to watch him and Stella do their thing live is just great. It, it's it's just a treat watching them host that event. A lot of fun with that. But um, Dice overall was great, man. I, I had such a great uh, three day trip there to Vegas at Dice. Kind of your point, getting to see various people across the industry, a lot of different developers, you know, PR people, marketing, just everybody in the industry. And I'm, I know we'll get into it later, but what was on everybody's mind was leading up to that Xbox uh, business update because that happened while we we're at Dice. So everybody was talking about that. Everybody had an opinion. But Mike, I'm here to tell you. And shout out to Radic over at CD Projekt oh, Red. He's the best. He, he is the absolute best. He introduced me to Ted Price first and foremost. And getting to meet Ted Price was definitely a highlight, you know, of, of being there. Very nice man. Love's kind of funny. Um, but Radic and other people, you know what the first thing they would come up to me and say? So, Paris, do you still spend $69 billion to keep, $69 billion <laughs> to keep things the same? And I was oh, no. dying, dying laughing. I was getting roasted by people over that because obviously, you know, when XCast first started and Bethesda acquisition, that was just something I said a lot talking about that. And... You know, we'll get into it when we get into the business update. Obviously, that's something I truly believed uh, when it happened. But as we're seeing, things change. Things they they change. definitely change. So 
we'll talk about it during the business update but yeah dice w- was great just getting to see everybody the just the various conversations that we're able to have about the industry where it currently is where it's going obviously all the things about the layoffs what can be done about it there was, there was just a lot of different conversations that were really good and very educational for me more than anything and that that was kind of the best thing that i took out of this As a matter of fact i sat in on some various talks round tables like one about ai how um xbox had one talking about how how they're trying to use ai as a support tool as as a supplement to the things that they're doing they're not trying to replace jobs they're trying to enhance things and it was you could tell there was more discussion that needed to be had about it because i think part of this is and i know i'm very guilty of this i hear ai and i think you're replacing someone's job you're 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 doing something you know this is not going to be good for the industry and the way it was being explained to me i was like i'm still not a hundred percent convinced but i see the other side of the argument now right and I definitely would love to see more more discussions about that. I would love to see like actual Q&A on that so you can kind of get that discourse back and forth about it because clearly AI is here to stay. It's not going to go away. So it's how is it being used? How is it being implemented? And is this going to be something that's good for the industry, especially right now as we see people getting laid off? Is this going to replace jobs? Oh, Paris, you hit so many things I wanted to ask you about. That's so cool. You were in some discussions, learning things about Mm -hmm. AI hot button topics like layoffs, the state of the industry. Like, yeah, that's cool to have so many big leaders and minds in this video game industry all in one place talking about that kind of stuff because it's more than just the awards, right? Dice also has summits where people talk and actually get in a room together and kind of talk about these kind of issues. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And and that's like the real reason I wanted to go. What was for those type type of talks where you have the ones where it's, you know, like basically where where they did the Dice Awards on stage where it's just a kind of a, a TED talk almost, right? But then you have the smaller breakout sessions where it's like these roundtables where you have like a roundtable leader and and it's more intimate and you're having discussions there, too. So it was really good. Really, really good. Like I said, I'll definitely is every time I have an opportunity to go to Dice, I'll go because it's it's something that I learn more about the industry as a whole. Like obviously the development side of it, the business side of it, the marketing side of it, PR, all that stuff that you get to learn at Dice. So it's really good. I'm so glad that you're in the room to bring your voice and to listen and learn, but also speak up and help out. Is there a way for like someone like me or maybe someone listening to see any of that? Is that ever posted or broadcast anywhere where maybe others that are interested in the industry on that side of things can learn and grow? That's a good question. I don't know if they make any of those available online. Interesting. For repeat. Okay. I know the, I, I highly doubt the, the round tables, definitely not, but I would think the on stage talks, there might be a possibility for that, but I'm not hundred percent sure I'm leaning towards. I don't think so because I've not seen it anywhere, but that would be cool to see if, if yeah. they did. Cause I think some people could get some insight from some of those talks. Yeah. I think after last week and beyond, we'd love some more insights for all of us to truly understand because man, beyond, what a couple of weeks you and I have had, Paris. We had yeah. to have a special podcast just to talk about the state of the business because, yeah. man, they got wild. And, yeah, I just want to transition away from you at Dice because you were fantastic, Paris. I freaking love seeing you up there presenting. Greg and Stella, awesome. So many incredible developers got their moment to shine and really talk without any sort of music going on. They just It was them sharing their stuff, and I thought that was special. But we did last week finally get the update. We had the official xbox podcast sit down with the big three and let's start off tina amini an incredible job great job guiding that conversation you had phil spencer you had sarah bond and matt booty all gathering around to talk about the xbox business update and paris what an update it was i think i left that with the fun joke of it's business as usual and i think to the casual audience it might seem like that but It's not business as usual. There is a change going Mm -hmm. on, and that's what I'm excited to kind of talk to you about. We're a week out of that conversation. I think things have really cooled down in the community and on the online Twitter sphere, which we know isn't all of gaming in general, but things have dramatically cooled down into a much better state, and I think there's a better understanding, which is the big word there. I think there's a missing understanding that we didn't have before this and i think now people understand and see it and as much as i want to say it was a nothing burger nothing crazy changes there is some change there that you and i should talk about so to give the quick recaps before we dive into our thoughts here's the quick hits 
If you missed out on the 22-minute podcast, I encourage you to go watch and listen because as Paris said about the Dice Awards, it's special to be able to hear from these leaders what they're seeing, what they want to talk about. Sure, it's a lot of PR mumbo-jumbo and it's highly scripted and stuff like that, but it is still good to know from the leaders that possibly you support this brand where it's going. But here's your quick hits. Four games are coming to other platforms. Activision and Blizzard games are coming to Game Pass, starting with Diablo 4 on March 28th. Currently, there are 34 million Game Pass subscribers. One of the uh, Team Xbox touted that they are one of the largest publishers on PlayStation Switch and now mobile. They have a hardware announcement coming this holiday. They're also invested in the next generation roadmap, really focused on delivering the largest technical leap you will ever see in a hardware generation. They have a June showcase, and there's 10 games coming out this year. So those are the quick hits for you. Me and Paris will dive in and jump around on different things. But Paris, I know you called in. What were some of your thoughts, initial thoughts, leaving this conversation last week? So before I jump into that really quick, just one last kickback to Dice. Tina was at Dice. So so I got a chance to talk to Tina and to just give her her flowers in person. Yes for the just the great hosting job that she did not only on that business update but everything she's done with the developer directs and just kind of leading xbox's you know public facing with with a lot of these presentations has has been outstanding so being able to tell that in person was great um but jumping back into the business update yeah you know i called in had like the initial all right you know, here's my initial thoughts of of how I felt and not a lot has changed, but I definitely have more perspective now on it um, in the sense that you're right on the surface. It's business as usual. I still say if none of these rumors blew up the way that they did, they probably could have had this as an Xbox wire post. <laughs> they really could have um, because nothing's changing. And if you remember last X cast, I was very adamant about I'm looking at this from the consumer standpoint of someone that is has all they have is an Xbox. Like this is their investment. They're invested in the Xbox. They've invested hundreds, thousands of dollars into their digital libraries. Am I going to be okay moving forward if you're going to start pivoting into this new multi-platform future? I think we got the answer that yes, you're going to be okay because the three things that I wanted to see that they did address on it was I was like, give me the criteria that you're using for these multi-platform games. It seems like nothing's day and date, at least in the short term, right? Just, just want to be clear on that. In the short term, they're not thinking about anything day and date. And part of that was what Phil said. They had they're looking at this, they have to protect the business of Xbox first and foremost. So I think the worry about all of a sudden, all your day and date major franchise is going to multi-platform. They're not thinking that way right now. That's not the case. They're looking at games that have kind of run their course in the Xbox ecosystem. Things that are a year plus older. Let's experiment. So that's what these four games are going to be. Let's experiment. Let's see what happens with them. And then I'm pretty sure we're going to see more games outside of these four. I don't think anyone should reasonably think, yeah, they're just going to do the four and stop. Because if this works, of course, they're going to bring more games over there. So I think people need to prepare themselves for that. But at the same time, the second pillar that I had in this was, why should I go get an Xbox? Make sure, show me, tell me why I, I, I still would want to go buy an Xbox when, when the next one comes, you know, next generation. Sarah Bond told you flat out they're going to have some stuff this holiday they are working on a next-gen xbox and and i'm paraphrasing but the biggest technical leap that, that they've had going going to a new generation that's what they're shooting for with this next console third pillar of it was preserving our digital libraries yes. and, and phil made a commitment to that again it, it'll never be 100 percent, but at least they're on record saying they understand the importance of that so they're not trying to take that away from you so so to sum all that up i took out of that business update if you're investing in the xbox ecosystem if you love xbox you can still go buy their consoles these the indiana joneses and the perfect darks and the fables and the halos and the gears of the world are still going to be coming there with some level of exclusivity so that it is going to be worth your time. If you want to play it the day that it comes out, you're going to play it in the Xbox ecosystem. You're not playing it on the PlayStation or, or the Switch. It's just not happening. So you have that. 
Game Pass was the other big one because obviously all the crazy rumors that were going around, oh, there's going to be a thousand different tiers, ad support, no more day and date, Call of Duty's not going to be in Game Pass, all this stuff. They shot all that down and they've even clarified further, you know, in post interviews because I saw obviously the Verge one with Tom Warren and Steven Totillo just put one out today that Game Pass games, be it Xbox Game Studios, Bethesda or Activision Blizzard will be in Game Pass day and date. And that includes and and I think what I read in the Totillo art article was the intent is for Call of Duty to be there yes, day and day. Yes. So again, just just make sure we're, we're being crystal clear here because I I'm, I'm going by the words you know that that they're using. So with that, if you're an Xbox consumer, if you're someone that loves Xbox, nothing's really changing for you now or even as we go into the next generation of games. Now, clearly. Things can change, but as we sit here today, they're telling you we're experimenting. Let's see what it's going to be, but we're still giving you hardware. We're, we're still giving you game pass. We're still putting these games in their day and date. You're fine. You're going to be good. Now, if you're a person that does not want to see games go to another platform, whether they're day and date or they're a year, two, three, four years old, you might have a problem with this yep. because that's going to happen. <laughs> it's going to happen. I, I think people need to prepare themselves for that. I will still stand on the hill that it will be freaking weird if I were to see a Halo or Gears go on on a PlayStation. That's but that's just me personally, just my lineage in Xbox and all that. It would seem weird to me at first, just like Chief taking his helmet off in the TV show ah. seemed weird to me. But then I got over it. Yes. I think ultimately. We have to start looking at this as the business of gaming is changing. And, you know, some people online have definitely reminded me of things that I've said three or four years ago about exclusivity. And, and I get it. And yeah, I, I thought that was what was happening then. Clearly, that's not what's happening in 2024. And we're seeing that across the industry. This is not just an Xbox thing. So either you're OK with it or you're not. I look at it as I don't care if people play games on other platforms. I'm I've actually always been a fan of Xbox's strategy would play anywhere. That was one of the biggest things that really was like, wow, I see what Xbox is doing. I like this day and date on PC. Clearly we know Phil's a fan of, of handhelds cause he'd been liking tweaks and he loves his uh, ROG ally, but they're obviously potentially working on something on the handheld space, the cloud initiative. Obviously, mobile is, is going to be big for them. They're starting to experiment with putting games on the Switch and on the PlayStation. And I think we've obviously seen through other various means that, you know, they've talked about getting X Xbox on as many screens as you possibly can. It's, it's not a bad thing if you're a gamer. It, it's not. I mean, if you like to be in the console wars, I guess you might have a problem with it. But I mean, for just the average Joe that likes playing games, okay, great. I take advantage of that today. I play games on this PC. I'll play them on, on, on the handheld. I play them out in the living room. I play it in the kids' room. And, my, and all my progress follows me wherever I go. That's freaking great. And the more we get of that is, is a good thing. So I get it. Change is weird. People don't like change, but it, it's going to happen. And I think the current state of the industry, because what was the other thing that Phil said, Mike? He talked about how 2023, as great as it was for games, yes, did the not industry grow. didn't grow. They yep. didn't grow. It's a business at the end of the day. I don't care if you're a trillion dollar company, billion dollar company. It doesn't matter. If you're not growing, that's going to be a problem. And we're again, we're seeing this industry wide. So... If they're looking at this and trying to get in front of it, what can we do to generate more revenue? And I like the one thing that Phil said is we could take the approach of yes. we basically just nickel and dime the gamer. We 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 pull more money out of the out of the the current 200 million people that are playing games, or we try and get more people into playing games. So I'll take option B because I don't like being nickel and dime yes, personally. So, yes. I like so that I, a lot as well. Yeah. That that reassured yeah. me. And it's understandable. Business as usual, right? Of like, yeah, they have to grow. And if they're not seeing the growth, they got two options. They can continue mm -hmm. to hit you and I in our pocketbooks, or they can go and find others to jump on that. I, I liked that a lot. And yeah, you nailed a lot of it. And I love the play anywhere. I love the cross saves and the cross play. I love the entitlements that carries with me onto PC and on Xbox consoles, right? Like there was a lot of things that reassured me as the consumer and also yeah. of like, 
oh yeah, I bought into this vision a long time ago and I love that we are continuing down this vision because it is where I want to go. And the big one for me as well for Phil was reassuring that, you know, the big quote was, anything we're going to talk about today is the long-term health of Xbox, that we're running a growing platform that is reaching more players, that our games are having as much success as possible. And that is what I wanted to hear, right? Like, reassure me that I'm on the right side here with you all and the hardware I've purchased. Nail down the big three, as you discussed, preserving my game library, showing me that, you know, exclusives, do they matter? Do they not? Is this a learning curve? And I think that's the big one is we're going to learn from these four titles and they're going to grow and figure out where they want to go. But as of right now, it's not Gears and Halo tomorrow, which is a big takeaway because I know we jumped on a quick slippery slope on the internet and everybody was concerned that tomorrow it was going down, right? And it's yeah. clearly not that. But I do want to talk about exclusivity with you because I think there is a change in the ship. I thought exclusivity rules but it doesn't seem like that anymore. But we're going to talk about that right after a word from our sponsors. We are brought to you by Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. Final Fantasy VII Rebirth is a standalone game that welcomes fans and newcomers alike. You don't need to have played Final Fantasy VII Remake or any other Final Fantasy titles to play and enjoy Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. The combat is not traditional turn-based and has more action-focused gameplay, with even deeper improvements since Remake with new synergy attacks and team-based combos. And there are large open sections to explore with Cloud and his comrades venturing across the planet, their fates unwritten, making every step in the expansive world outside Midgar fresh and mysterious, and of course, there are dozens of mini-games. There's a story recap video of Final Fantasy VII Remake for those interested in learning more about the story so far, and those looking to experience Final Fantasy VII Remake fully can pre-order the Final Fantasy VII Remake and Rebirth Twin Pack, which includes the game plus the DLC episode Intermission at no extra cost. You can download and play a demo of Final Fantasy VII Rebirth right now on the PlayStation Store, and you can pre-order the game in the link in the description. The wait is almost over. Final Fantasy VII Rebirth is out February 29th. Get hyped. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, everybody. Let's talk about the big three topics and start with exclusivity because the big three topics they wanted to touch on were game exclusivity, ABK, and the possible impact on Game Pass, and hardware and its fit in the strategy of Xbox. Exclusivity was a very interesting one for me, Paris, because you and I, we've talked about it, right? Exclusivity rules. You come to this brand, you come to this service because I have a product that you want that maybe no others don't have. And that's why you jump on this board. That's why you give me your hard earned money. And it was very interesting to hear Phil Spencer say, you know, he thinks in the next five years and beyond that exclusivity might not be viewed like that anymore. And I was kind of shocked by that, Paris, because I still think that in the short term, exclusivity does rule, but. I think Xbox is seeing something in the future where maybe that isn't the case. Yeah, and and that's the thing about it. And 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 I, I kind of want to address one thing that I don't like about all of this that that went down. And again, this goes back to Xbox X, Xbox's messaging and these rumors and leaks and just the way all this stuff went crazy. Phil said on that panel, 
that this is not a signal that the floodgates are about to open with exclusivity, right? As far as we're going full third party and all these games are going to be on PlayStation and Switch. He told you that on stage. Watching you guys react and hearing what looking at social media and seeing some other sites, they're damned if they do, damned if they don't now. Because yes. the, the word around the campfire is, well, now I'm still going to wait to see if these games show up on PlayStation, even though he told you that they're not, at least in the short term. So that is the unfortunate part of all of this, that the rumors got out of control and got crazy. Hell, even when I was at Dice, I remember the night before certain people was like, man, I heard it's going to be really bad news. Oh, but like, you, you, you know what I'm saying? So it's like everyone was kind of all over the place with this. And even once they, the CEO is telling you, here's what the plan is, that's still not good enough. But the reason I bring that up is there is still, even in this, a level of exclusivity that's happening, even if it just simply turns out to be in the long term, timed exclusivity, because to the point, they had to address Starfield and Indiana Jones on that podcast. And he told you they're not amongst the four and don't hold you basically don't hold your breath for these games coming anytime soon to other platforms. If you want to play um, Indiana Jones this holiday, you're going to have to play it on an Xbox or at least in, or at least be in the Xbox ecosystem. You might play it on PC or cloud. But the point is, you're not playing Indiana Jones on PlayStation. And there is no guarantee that Starfield is going to be on the PlayStation either. On down the line, the halo, the gear, like like now, if this is going to be the conversation, I mean, that's that's just going to be unfortunate. But they're by giving you a level of exclusivity, they're continuing. I agree what Phil's saying, and, and, and there's two ways to interpret it, because even in the next five to 10 years, if they continue to say, well, the first place that you can play these things over this period of time is on Xbox, then owning an Xbox console is still going to be valuable to you. But maybe five, 10 years from now, more people are playing on handhelds or cloud streaming or on PC where they've already put those games day and date, you know, in those places. So it'll be interesting to see over the next five to 10 years, how that changes, not only for Xbox, for, but for PlayStation as well, because we know they're starting to experiment with, with multi-platform too, in that Going back to growth, the other thing that he talked about, and I think this was the Totillo article too, and I'd heard this previously, is that basically consoles have not grown in over a decade. The number of people that are playing them, it's around 200 million. That has been a pretty static number for a long time. So maybe what what happens is that 200 million number, if it continues to stay the same, there's a level of, of exclusivity there. But then as more people start playing on other devices outside of the console, the floodgates are open at that point. So if you still want to play on PlayStation, sure, there'll be some games on PlayStation that you can only play there for a certain period of time. Same goes for Xbox. But if you play on PC, if you cloud stream, if you're on mobile, Wild Wild West, we're in a new era now where you play wherever you want. These games are available immediately, things like that. So it's it. Again, it's changing. It's changing <laughs> I mean, this is the best way to say it. it. It is changing. But I do think in the short term, like when we think about the games that we saw at, at the last showcase, like, at, like again, a fable of South of Midnight, what we potentially might see here at this June showcase, knocking on wood, perfect dark banjo. Come on. But those kind of games are probably still status quo on that. I don't see anything really changing in the next couple of years as far as that goes, but we'll probably continue to see some experiments where some of the older stuff starts going out to other platforms, but his long-term vision, long-term look at this, I, I think he's right. I think we will get to a point where it's just simply not going to matter. It's it's going to be more about the games than it is the platform, if, if that makes sense. Because I think the way I've kind of looked at this the past few years is from an Xbox standpoint, they want to bring the games to where you are and not bring you to where the games are. And that really seems to be what, what he was trying to convey, you know, in that podcast. I like that, Paris. Of course, we talked about four games. You know, four games are going to the other platform when we talk about exclusivity. 
the four names were not named. Of course, he wanted to allow the teams working hard on those four games to have their moments to shine and share their big announcement, which I thought was the right thing to do. But we talked about what's the criteria for those four games. And I found that yeah. the interesting part for this learning experience. I think we need yeah. to understand that these first four games will be the test bed. They will learn from that and then pick and choose where they go next with exclusivity. But it looked like this. We looked at games that are over a year old, community-driven games that may have reached their full potential, franchises they want to continue to invest in, service-based games that can have that can have confidence they can exist in the future. Of course, it has not been stated, but it does seem like the four are Pentiment, Hi-Fi Rush, Sea of Thieves, and Grounded. Uh, all four games have a lot of positives to them, very interest in some of them. What do you think about those four games, Paris, if those are the games and that criteria of choosing them? Well, I think it makes a lot of sense because if you go back to our our first X cast of the year when when the was about Hi-Fi Rush and Sea of Thieves, you know, we kind of talked about it then that you're not buying an Xbox to play Hi-Fi Rush. Um, I had even said yesterday, Hi-Fi Rush is like the perfect game to be on the Switch. And it's been on on the Xbox now for over a year. Um, anybody that's wanted to play it, get it off Game Pass or whatever, they would have they probably would have done it now anyway. So seeing it go to a new audience on the Switch and on the PlayStation, again, it's an experiment. Let's see how many people that did not play it in that first year are truly interested about Hi-Fi Rush and what, what the numbers look like. Sea of Thieves makes a lot of sense because, of again, sense. it's a live service game. Hell, we're talking about Hell Divers 2 right now. I mean, you're, you're seeing that success with it being on PC right now. So, I mean, yeah, bring it to bring Sea of Thieves to, to more platforms so more people can try it out. So that makes sense too. Grounded again, survival game. You know, it was it started off. It's funny that the two Obsidian two Obsidian games, Pentiment and Grounded, were basically passion projects. And I think he pretty much alluded to that um, in the podcast too. That games that were more passion project than hey we're looking for these games to be huge sellers are things that we're going to experiment with and, and you know we we both played pentiment i enjoyed it for what it was but it's not going to be everybody's cup of tea of course you know so i think of the four again if these are the four of the four that's probably the one i think would have the least amount of success even if it is on playstation or switch because i just think there's a very limited audience that that would be into that type of game but the other three yeah i mean yeah, again, Grounded, from what Grounded was to what Grounded is now as a survival game is fantastic. So more people that get a chance to play it would be great. But I do want to add on one thing. I get what Phil's criteria is now. I personally think that criteria will evolve. Of course. And, and, and I think as far as the type of games that they're, that they're looking at, the time, like the one year, hey, let's have a game, let's, let's get it to its apex in our ecosystem and once we think hey everyone that wanted to play in our ecosystem is done bring it somewhere else that makes a lot of sense i don't think that would change but i think let's, let's just the elephant in the room let's just say starfield because that obviously is the one everybody's going crazy over if starfield 2025 goes to the playstation is that a bad thing no is it not at all Paris. in the sense that from a I business standpoint, no. Yeah, yeah. I already played it. I've enjoyed it. Let's, again, pretend. The expansion comes out the end of this year. Played the expansion. I enjoyed it. Now you bundle all that up into a game of the year or whatever edition. You put that, you re-release that. Now it's out on, on PlayStation and the Switch 2. Is that really a bad thing from a single-player standpoint? I... Again, if the if the business is evolving, if this is really changing, if after two years that game shows up somewhere else, I I, I personally don't have a problem with that. And 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 we know there's going to be an audience that would want to play Starfield that doesn't have an, an Xbox or a PC right now that would like to play it. So I'm not against it. Again, it seems weird. I get it. it. It's weird if these things happen, but. If the business of gaming is truly changing and evolving, this is probably the type of exclusivity that you're going to see, even with some of their big titles moving forward, in my personal opinion. But that's me projecting. That's me speculating. They have not said this at all. Right now, all we know is about the four that you're talking about, Mike. And 
we'll obviously see what what happens from there. But um, it's going to be interesting moving yeah. forward. Yeah, I'm right there with you, Paris. I actually I like the year exclusivity to test and learn from because in my eyes, right, you have that year pop, like you said, and it's probably starting if we saw the numbers behind the scenes probably dramatically dropping in sales after that first year. And yeah. you're still in the excitement level of, oh, that game looked cool over there. A year later, you could sell that other other platforms from a business standpoint to me would still have that excitement, right? When does that excitement start to drop on both sides? And also games as a service are hot right now. Games mm -hmm. as a service are running the world. You heard Matt Booty talk about Roblox and Fortnite and clearly how that has influenced the gaming landscape, right? What are we seeing right now with Helldivers? Absolute mayhem to play this games as a service game that everybody wants. And I, I wonder if we will learn from all of this and could the possibility, possibility of games as a service titles going day and day to other platforms. Is I think that a win? A lot of sense. I, I think so too, Paris, right? You think yeah. of microtransactions, think of player base. Is there really a big capture if I gave you, you know, Sea of Thieves 2, let's say, a year after release? Is it still going to have that excitement instead of day one, what we're seeing right now exactly with Helldivers, which is a perfect example of what we can see here with a good games as a service? Yeah, like, I, like I'm going to say this again, would be freaking weird to me. <laughs> I want to be clear on that. Halo Infinite multiplayer probably should be everywhere. Probably should be because that is maximizing its potential from a player count standpoint, right? So yep. I do think as we move forward with a lot of these live service games, I can, I can for sure see that because like you bring up the examples of Fortnite and Roblox, I'll just take my daughter as an example. My daughter plays those two games on probably about four different devices just in this house. It, because it, to Matt Booty's point, it, the, the game is the platform at this point. Damn, whether it's on an Xbox or a PlayStation or a Switch, it's about getting that game on as many panes of glass as they can. And both of them are just smash hits. Mm. So it, so if, again, if I'm in business, if I'm looking at this, I'm thinking, well, hell, and then, yeah, I need to make sure I get all my, my live service games on as many platforms as I feasibly can, too, because you're maximizing the potential of the game. It just I'm, makes sense. I'm thinking about how much Gears would benefit right now after so many years after release. What does that player base look like? People need bodies in those matches. Gears yeah. would probably love that right now to get a nice boot, boost in the arm. I think a Killer Instinct, a game you and I spoke about of the niche market that is fighting games and how important that's got to be to reach even yeah. more players than you already have. Killer Instinct, I'm surprised, is not one of these four games, right? If maybe they're making a new Killer Instinct, but like it is odd that if these are the set four games, I'm surprised Killer Instinct isn't in that list. I thought for sure a fighting game with just Xbox exclusivity would be all over this. Yeah, and, and it's funny because that's some of the talk I've seen on social media over the last few days was specifically about Killer Instinct, like a sequel. Like, should it just be multi-platform day one? Yes, it 100%. should. That, that, absolutely. But I do want to circle back to the Gears thing. Again, my personal opinion, it's just, Mike, it's just weird to me. It would just be weird. But logically speaking, let's just say Gears 5, you were to put on PlayStation with that multiplayer and all that. This is where you get into the how, how do you how do you frame it? How do you do it moving forward? Does that mean gear six multi-platform or do you treat gear gear six as one of your big flagship triple A? This will get someone to buy an Xbox. So there's a window of it being exclusive in Xbox and then you bring it over. You know, and I know Blessing uh, on the on the last X cast was bringing up like Hi-Fi Rush 2 as that same example. Do you, when Hi-Fi Rush 2 were, were to come out, if it does, is that exclusive on Xbox for a period of time? Or since the first one is now on the Switch and the PlayStation, do you just bring it day and date? So this is this is where it gets tricky and how they handle this and how they do this moving forward will be fascinating to see because I'll go back to what I said the last time I was on and talked about briefly earlier. I, you, you still need to take care of the people that can only get the one console, right? So why am I getting an Xbox if now all of a sudden all these games are just, and again, they're not doing this. This is just a what if, but we're now just day and date on, on the other platforms. You would just go get the other platform if, if that was the case. So they have to balance providing value to the hardware along with maximizing revenue 
for these games at the same time. And that's the new future that we, we seemingly are headed into. But I think the live service ones just that's a no brainer. It, it seems to me that you should be doing that. But then when you also have like games that potentially could be live service that are part of your flagship triple A's in a halo and the gears, <laughs> how do you balance that too? Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? So uh, I will be fascinated to see. That's a fun one for me. They talked about brand value, right? Getting yes. that shot in the arm and enticing other players to possibly see how great a game is and come over there, right? The, co- the comment was brand value, introducing Xbox franchises to other platforms and audiences to get them into the Xbox franchises and library, right? Like, yeah, what do you do with a flagship title like a Gears, right? How do you rip that Band-Aid off first with us, the core audience, which I think that's what this was. This was the, yes. we're ripping the Band-Aid off. We are preparing you now for two years, five years, 10 years down the road. Whenever we do go and say, hey, this is our new window. This is what we do with exclusives. Uh, I, I do think that the brand value push is important, right? You can't talk about, about how great Gears is and Halo to people like Greg Miller who just don't get it because they don't play it, right? I can only tell them right. how great it is until they actually go hands-on with it and lose themselves into it. And I, I think there's a win there to be said, but there's also a piece of me, Paris, that comes back to the word, exclusive. And it's odd that we're moving away from exclusives because yeah. I feel like that's where we're at in 2024. I know Phil and the team have a different vision, but me right now, I sign up for Netflix for the exclusive content. Sure, they're similar to Xbox with a large cat, you know, catalog of games with Game Pass, but I'm going to Hulu, Netflix, Amazon Prime Video, HBO Max for their exclusives. That's why you are getting me. And it is an odd one to hear them say, Well, we think it's changing and it might not be that anymore because, yeah, I'm coming to Xbox for the exclusive titles here. I love the ecosystem, what they've created. I love the game preservation. I love the entitlements. I love Game Pass as a service that's adding over 100 plus games into a library instantly. But it is interesting of like, maybe the exclusives aren't the way anymore. And it's hard to believe that after $7.8 billion for ZeniMax, you know, sixty-eight billion for Activision Blizzard King. It's just those are crazy. It seems like crazy behavior to be doing that now. Again, people are giving me so much shit for that at Dice. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But you know, to 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 slightly defend myself on that, if you go back to 2020, 2021, it that was the business exclusive back rules. Then. That that's yeah. what we were talking about back then. So of course, and they were trying to build up Game Pass. So you're like, how do you get people to go into Game Pass? You have exclusive games that are in there. So that's what we're talking about. Whereas now, it it's changed. I mean, you know, not to dive in the weeds of just everything that's been going on with all the layoffs and everything, because you know that that's horrible. But COVID seems like companies overestimated now they're having to scale back tighten purses pe- people are getting laid off you have these gaming budgets that are just out of control now which how how expensive it is to make a triple a game and then how long it takes to make a triple a game and then if the triple a game when it does come out isn't an instant hit now that that people in that studio might get laid off or the studio might close like there, there's a change that's happening right before our eyes. And I, and I do think we're going to see a shift with how a lot, a lot of this stuff works industry wide. This is not just an Xbox thing. Um, and while we're in the middle of it, it's weird. Yeah. It's, it's wild weird. West. I, look, I think look, as well. Look, Paris, it, it got people like me. Out. Yeah. It got people like me getting, getting, getting cooked, you know, but, <laughs> but that's okay. I'm, I'm a big boy. I can, I can handle it, but I get it. And, and I think that's the, important part of this is like for people that are watching or listening to this you might not like what's happening you may not agree with what's happening but you i i just think for the overall health of the industry you know a shift they have to shift they have to figure out something because the balloon is seemingly about to pop here so something has to give uh old people like me i remember when the arcades crashed back in the early 80s you know what i mean when video games almost just went away completely i'll still say if it wasn't for the nes i'm not sure we're talking right now because consoles you know home consoles were a gimmick there were a dime a dozen i mean arcade games became more gimmicky as as well it was not the robust business that we have right now um and even now you know as great as the industry has been 
you know, multi-billion of the whole thing, it seems like they've kind of over overstepped on some stuff and now they got to pull back and figure it out and make it sustainable. I think that that's the key word there. It needs to be sustainable moving forward. So you do what you got to do. And I think that's what where we're at right now. I like that Paris. And yeah, to add on to sustain uh, sustainable is more, you need a larger audience. You have to get more people into this. We've we're tapping out on just the diehard Xbox fans or the fan that's semi interested from the PC side and cloud side. You got to get more. And I think that's what the play is, is to get more eyes, more wallets, more chances here. Let's move on to Game Pass because that's always yeah. given us more. And gosh darn, I love Game Pass. You see they're adding Bluey to Game Pass? Yeah, this yeah I saw that. Hey, yeah. if you got some kids, you want to play Bluey, now you got Game Pass with Bluey. Uh, let's talk about it right, really quick. They say all of our games will be on the Xbox platform. All games will go into Game Pass Day 1, and Game Pass will be – only available on Xbox. Of course, I took that to mean not Switch, not PlayStation. Of course, it doesn't mean the whole video game ecosystem. It is those two, of course, competitive services will not have Game Pass. The promise of Xbox cross-play and cross-save are still fundamental to the team. Activision Blizzard games are coming to Game Pass, and it's starting with Diablo 4, available March 28th via Game Pass 34 million Game Pass subscribers. The last number we saw was 24, 25, I believe. So it is an increase, but there's a lot of conversation of, well, does that include core Game Pass subscribers that were changed from Xbox Live Gold? And it does seem from, I believe, the Verge article with Tom Warren that it does. What do you See, got? I, and, and I have a question about that because it, it makes sense, but then it doesn't at the same time because if everybody that had gold converted to core wouldn't the number be larger because wasn't there way more people on gold uh, i thought and that i could be wrong i, I could be wrong i feel yeah. you with that paris i was wondering yeah. the same thing of like man shouldn't that number be higher right if we're yeah. adding core into this shouldn't that number be higher but then you know you think about it right 2022 we had a really bad year it was dry there was no yeah. reason to be giving up your money and i'm sure people came and went 2023 had its moments, but also had some negative moments. I also think of like core subscribers, right? Were there people that were just recurring their bills all the time and finally snapped out of it and were like, maybe I don't need this anymore. Are people moving on and changing? That's clearly what has to be happening. And now this team has to find a way to get those human beings back or sell them on something new, I think. Yep. 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 But, so it'd be interesting. But, um, but Sarah Bond did say... It was still growing. There was still double-digit growth on PC and mobile. Is, yeah, is I think she, she said? said she saw that they had the biggest numbers on everything. They said mobile, PC, and Xbox console were the biggest numbers of engagement ever. So mm -hmm. they had a good year. It's growing. The people are coming into it. I think you just have to find a way to capitalize. And the odd part was I thought it was games always, Paris. I thought it was the games. You, you know, I just, I just had a thought or right as we're talking about all this. That interview with we did with Phil last year kind of opened the floodgates on all of this because oh, yeah. that was kind of the start where he was talking about the business of consoles and how they lost the digital, you know, you know, the digital eight digital library age and, you know, the last generation. And I believe he said, we'll never out console PlayStation or something like that at that time. And we've only obviously just seen it progress since then to where we are now having this discussion. But uh, yeah, interesting. I think that was the reality check moment of Xbox yeah. and the business of, okay, we're getting checked. This is the reality check. We're in third place. Well, what are we doing? We want to do things internally. We're moving the goalposts. We're trying to change and move the ship. But, like, we have to share that with everyone. I think this is the reality check of this is the Xbox business now. And we have to sell you on that. We have to make sure you understand that. And we need to move forward together. And, you know, you're either on board or you're off board, no matter your feelings. But, you know, to me, they sold me on that. I'm still committed to this. I'm still interested in what they have as a service to go forward for sure. Uh, well, I am. Ex I Tell me. No, 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 please, please continue. I'm sorry. I was going to say, I am excited to see you talk about Game Pass numbers. We have a chatter, of course, you can watch live thanks to our Patreon and YouTube. You can become a kind of funny member. You can be watching live right now. But uh, Knight Martin says, I bet an in and out lunch that Game Pass subs rise with Call of Duty when that drops day and date. Of course, Call of Duty is still the touchy subject. I believe there is 
things in place where it's not day and date pairs. I think that's why they've kind of avoided but, saying, hey, this one, because I think it's next year and the year beyond. I don't think it's this year yet. Yeah, and that, that's what I mean. That's why the, the, key, the key phrasing of that intent, Yes, you know, he was saying, and the fact that they're still working on onboarding a lot of that stuff, and there's back-end development work that they have to do. Because I think, again, going by the Zatillo article, um, he was mentioning they need to make sure that Everything's available, not only in the console side, but the PC side as well, where it comes to Activision Blizzard games being on Game Pass. I would imagine unless there's something contractually stopping them, they'd want called this Call of Duty in Game Pass day and oh, day. And, and, by, and by the way, the, the chatter, you, you keep it in and out, but you win. You, you yeah. don't need that. Um, I would imagine because if, you, if there's going to be anything that sells Game Pass, it's going to be Call of Duty. Yep. Yep. If the I marketing, totally if, now that Xbox is going to have the marketing around it, if I might have heard a whisper or two that this is going to be a, a big deal Call of Duty that's coming out this year. If it is, if it's everything that, you know, they're expecting it to be, they would want that Game Pass Day 1. How, how could you not? Because if, if you're telling people, oh, I just subscribed to that and I get to play Call of Duty and everything that comes with it, time it's up. on. That, that's the moment Paris is right. Mm -hmm. But we do start, you know, I think this is an exciting one. We start with Diablo 4. And you and I, we've had the question now for a long time. Hey, the ink is dry. What are we doing? When are we talking about this? And I think all of these rumors, of course, rushed everything of when we'd see a real roundtable, when we'd get the full-on announcement. Clearly, things have been pushed up, and they probably had to juggle some things. But we do know number one is Diablo 4 coming March 28th. About a year after its release, which mm -hmm. I think is very exciting. If you were on the sideline of Diablo, you didn't want to jump in at that full price price tag. Now is a great opportunity and also a nice little feather in the cap of Game Pass that continues to add some really good titles. Even if it's a year old, it's still a big win right there. Yep. Must have a big place. Uh, also player base as well. But we know they're coming to consoles. The cross-play, cross-save, I love that Matt Booty brought up, like, that is still the driving light of all of this, and that is what they got to shine, is the ecosystem. That is the service you're selling. It might not be exclusive games anymore, but it is the service of why I'm signing up for it. It's because it talks to all of this ecosystem. I love that so, so much. And then finally, the hardware pairs. You know, you teased... Phil Spencer's liking a whole lot of handheld tweets for some reason. I guess it's yeah. on his mind. But they did talk about... Um, where you'll get the most flagship seminal experiences is on Xbox, the console. Exciting hardware announcement this holiday. And then Sarah Bond had the big one. Also invested in the next generation roadmap. Really focused on delivering the largest technical leap you will ever see or we you will have ever seen in a hardware generation. Now they say that every time, Paris. A lot of people were like, hold up, they say that every time. Yeah. But I think Jason Ronald and the team, maybe they got something special. Maybe they got something special cooking. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, I mean, we'll, we'll see. I mean, you know, you got to imagine it's still a few years out. So what does that technical leap actually look like? I'm actually more interested in what's coming this holiday or what they're going to at least announce this holiday. Is that just an all digital Series X? Are we getting a mid-gen refresh of, of the Series X and S line? Things like that. So I'm that I'm actually very curious to see. What um, if it's what, just a what if it's just the controller? It it can't be. It okay, that's be what I that. thought too. I was like, I was sitting there thinking, I was like, you know, we saw the FTC leaks and we know that like they had a mid-generation plan and like it it saw the discless Xbox and they talked about a controller. Like, did they move away from that? Phil was kind of coy on answering those questions with Tom Warren, but like if it's just the controller, that can't be enough. You got to have something else, right? Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see. I mean, again, you know, we all the speculation that that's out there because it looks like there might be a PlayStation Five Pro coming this holiday, right? But then there's also speculation that Xbox might jump into the next generation a lot earlier than expected. Oh. If that is the case then I don't think you see a mid-gen refresh this year from Xbox because why would you, why would you? And then a year or two later, you're telling people go, go buy the next gen Xbox. You might as well just ride it out until then. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very curious. It has to be more than just a controller though. Um, I've always thought just an all digital series X seemed like a no brainer to me that they yeah. would, they would eventually do. Yeah. Um, 
it might be that. I mean, who knows? I mean, obviously, Phil came out and was pretty adamant that the stuff we saw in the FTC stuff, you know, the FTC trials, it, plans have changed. So it's not whatever it's going to be. It's not going to be directly that. So I'm, I'm look, I'm looking forward to June. I'm looking forward to the June Ooh. showcase because I would imagine that's where we're going to see all this stuff. June, they, they, you know, we knew they were coming back, but they announced that they're coming back in June. So that's exciting. 10 games. You know, I can probably count off about like six, I think is what I've gotten up to in my head sometimes. But mm-hmm. there's some games that are still question marks to me of like, well, what else do they got in their back pocket? I know that includes, you know, probably larger expansions like the WoW expansion. You got Call of Duty. You got Diablo expansion. So you add those in there. But I am excited to see what they got this year because I, I think this should be a big year that you need to have to continue to win us over. Indy will be a big one there. Hellblade 2 will be special. But, yeah, the idea of a possible handheld as well, Paris, that gets me excited I want that. I want an official Xbox handheld. I'd be big on that, Paris. I'd be big on that. Yeah, it's like I'm I'm holding up my ROG Allied now, and and I've I've talked about this actually just loaded into the Xbox app. Like this is just Windows 11 right now, right? Um, I would love to see if they do a handheld, a basically a forked version of Windows, so that the UI can be more specific for handheld. I mean, I've seen various people agree with that, disagree with that. But if you could replicate this and that it has the Xbox app on it, it it plays like an actual handheld. And I don't have to jump through the few hoops that I do here. You get used to it, but make it more ease of use. Man, I think it sell like freaking hotcakes, man. Now, bigger question would be, would they allow people to load up other storefronts could mm-hmm. i put steam on mm-hmm. it could i put the epic, epic game store on it would it just be locked down to xbox and everything you'd have you would get be through the xbox ecosystem i mean those are obviously questions they would have to ask what makes sense to them but at a minimum if we could get a more streamlined dedicated to xbox ease of use version of these handhelds obviously game pass would be on there you can obviously buy your digital games whatever the case on this sign me up and if they really want to go crazy, make it like the switch. I can take it where I go. I could dock it, play it oh, on TV. Come too. on. That's got to yeah. That would be a major win right yeah. there. Yep. Would love it. Just played five hours of Helldiver straight. Yeah. yeah see, that I, Xbox. I play zero. Oh, wait. Invite me. <laughs> Invite oh, parents. Boy. He wants to play. He hasn't played at all. Uh, us <laughs> Xbox gamers are looking in. We're on the yeah. outside looking in on a great game right now. Uh, yeah, Paris, it's some exciting stuff. Uh, I really liked the podcast. 22 minutes. Didn't feel like a podcast. It felt like clearly a presentation, like all that jazz, but it was a good time. But it, it was so funny. You might have even seen the picture online. A bunch of us got like, uh, it, it was so funny leading up to the day or two before everyone was like, where are we watching this? Is there a designated area? Are, are we getting the screen? Like everybody wanted to get together to watch it. And then it wound up being, you know, me, Danny, Rihanna. Um, I don't know if you know Jackie, but Jackie, uh, Andrea, we like we all got together and, and we're watching it like at just one of the hotel bars. And then, it was, you know, as soon as it was over, I raced off to go find a quite quiet area to jump in with you guys. But everybody was paying attention oh, to yeah. that because it because the expectation of it was this might be an industry changing event that's happening. I think in some ways it is. I think it's the signal of what's to come. I don't think this this that podcast itself change anything in the short term, but it's a signal of change that that is eventually going to come. And, you know, now we just got to adapt and <laughs> see where it goes. I'm 100% with you, Paris. Let's end the episode with some quick thoughts and impressions of Halo Season 2 because Master Chief, a.k.a. Master Cheeks, is back <laughs> for more fun. And this time around, we haven't really spoken about it. I know you went to the premiere. Um, mm-hmm. We haven't spoken about, like, you know, they've teed up the idea of Fall of Reach, right? If you've seen the promotions, if you've seen the trailers, it looks like we're going to glass reach and it's going to be a good time and we're going to get to see a really cool story. Paris, we've had, I believe, three episodes out now from Counting Right. I think a new episode will be releasing very soon when you hear this. But what are your thoughts so far on this one? I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I think episode three actually really 
sank it all in for me where okay. I, I I see where they're going with this and they're absolutely setting up the fall of reach and we're seeing the reasons why reach is going to fall. My biggest takeaway from this is I care about Master Chief's story. I, I, I like the fact that he's not being completely trusted. And even as a viewer, you have to somewhat question, is he losing his mind? Even though we've seen some things that let me know he, he's right about his suspicions. But I like the path they're taking Chief down this, this, this season. I also care about the side stories this, this time. Um, I think they're setting up some very interesting scenarios for some of these side characters as well to where I want to see where it goes. And I didn't 100% feel that way last season. Definitely the visuals and the production value has been upped this time um, to where, like I said before, you can tell we're leading to up to something epic, to something big. I think when we get to that battle of reach, man, it's going to be really good. And to get, kind of get the tease of how they're handling dealing with the covenant and the fights and everything in that first episode. Imagine when they, they blow the entire budget on that reach episode. Oh my God. It's going to be good. Come Looking on. To it. I got to give them big kudos. They finally used the music for the intro yeah. and yeah. hearing the theme now is like, yes, there we go. Let's get on the right path. You know, uh, for me, I'm a mixed bag still, Paris. I haven't seen episode three, so yeah. maybe that's where I need it. But I do find the production and the quality of some of these shots to be very inconsistent. There are moments where I go, man, this is beautiful. This is everything you could ever ask for from a Master Chief and Halo story to then you watch something and you go, man, who who approved that? Because it doesn't look right. quite right. And I've gotten over Master Chief out of the suit, even yeah. though 95% of this, these episodes, he's out of the suit, right? This yeah. isn't what we're seeing. And I am lost in the mix of, I like Master Chief's story. I like what we're telling with that and the covenant and the idea of coming to reach. But then we get taken on these side stories where I'm not connected with these characters anymore. I do not vibe with seeing Riz. I don't vibe with seeing Soren out in the middle of nowhere. We tease back to Kai. We talk about, you know, the girl that is part of the Covenant group. And it's just, it leaves me scratching my head some of these episodes, Paris. So I'm like, man, what the heck is happening here? What is going on? And so I'm trying. I'm trying, Paris. I, I, I truly think you need to watch episode three because okay. I think your complaints that you're talking about the side characters, this ties it all up to where... Oh, okay. I see what's happening here. I see where it's going. Um, again, I don't want to spoil anything. I, I definitely think there's a character that anyone watching isn't a fan of right now is going to have a redemption. Ooh. That you're gonna you're gonna understand this character's motivations and why this character has done some of the things that that they've done. Because again, Chief's the hero. So anyone that's opposing Chief, you're not gonna like, right? But you're gonna realize. Oh wait. I, again, I think. Oh, wait, I, I see why this character ha has been doing this. So, I, like I said, I'm, I'm intrigued. But I do agree with you. There isn't consistency with the visuals, but there's definitely more good yes. than bad. And this is where I say again, I think they're just saving up the budget for, for the fall of reach where, where they're going to show all that stuff where I think it'll be pretty good. But I will say again, in episode three, there is a scene with Chief in the suit. Very intense. Oh, the way it great. goes down. That's great. You'll like it. You'll like Paris, it. It's been a good week catching up with you talking Xbox. It's been a whole lot of fun. Our other gaming dad, Gary Witta, is doing well. He's very busy. He misses all of us. He will return soon enough once he continues to be incredible out in Hollywood. You all know that. But Paris, you and I had a great week. We'll be back next week for more Xbox talk. What do you got for the audience and me before One we go? One last thing with Gary Witta. So I hope Gary gets to see this. Just know that Gary is a rock star. His name was touted throughout the halls of Dice oh. in Las Vegas. Everybody knows Gary. He's Everybody loves Gary. Everybody yeah, loves Gary. And we love all of you for watching and listening. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Kind of Funny X-Cast. You're home for all things Xbox. If you're watching on YouTube, leave a comment. Let us know what you think of Halo Season 2. What do you think about the new business strategy for Xbox? Are you on board or are you hopping off the boat? Let us know. And most importantly, thank you for your time and energy. Thanks for letting me and Paris bring you the video game news you need to know about and have a fun conversation about it. Until next week, goodbye, everyone.